Ah, one more time. Good morning. Hey, doing good. All right. Well, it's an exciting time to be a part of Life Church. Say me and five other people. Hopefully, by the end of the day, maybe you'll be on board with that too. It is an exciting time to be a part of Life Church. And uh, we're finishing up a series today. We just talked about the series we're going into next week, which is going to uh, celebrate the arts in the church and the senses. Uh, but we're wrapping up a series today called Time to Run, which has uh, really been based on a couple of scriptures out of Hebrews, which tells us uh, that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses that pushes us to run our own race. And it tells us that their race, these people, the people of faith that we read about, your Abrahams, your Davids, your, your uh, Sarahs, and men and women who, who names don't even get printed in Scripture yet, all of these people, it says their race isn't complete without us running our race. And so we've decided around Life Church that it's time to run. It's time to run. To throw off limitations like we sang, it was such a wonderful song that Noah wrote that went right along with our series. To throw off limitations and just to run with perseverance, with endurance, the race that is set before us. And so we're excited about what's going on. And we talked about motivation, activation, destination, celebration, reorientation. And finally today, let's get a little inspiration. You up for some inspiration today? Amen. Amen. All right. I don't always do notes, but I, I did put some notes in your bulletin today. And so if you've got a pencil and if you care at all, if not, that's completely fine. Uh, but if you want to fill in those blanks, if you're like me and I can't stand an empty blank not to get filled, then uh, here's, here's what I, what I kind of do for you. We're going to do them all right now. Get them all out of the way. So first of all, to inspire is to breathe into I get to use, uh, it's not all the time that I get to use my Latin knowledge, uh, but I took Latin for three years in middle and high school. My dad taught Latin for 25 years, and uh, so this is one of those words where the N means in two, and it's S-P-I-R, you probably recognize that from the word spirit, and it means breath or life, so breath. So to inspire is to breathe into, and then your second uh, note there is in Scripture, Often, breath, wind, and spirit are the same original word. And in Hebrew, in the Hebrew scriptures, that word is ruach. Turn to your neighbor and say ruach. Now, if you didn't spit on them, you didn't say it quite right. Ruach. But it means breath. It means wind. It means spirit. Oftentimes, it's the same word in the scriptures, just translated uh, one way or another based on how the translators wanted it to be. And that brings us to our next note. Breathing indicates movement and progress. In fact, let's try a little, uh, try something real quick here, a little experiment. I want you to breathe right now without moving. Do it. Come on. Take a breath without moving. You can't do it. To breathe means automatically that you have to move. You have to progress, right? Because your breath that you just took, took you into the next moment. So to, to be inspired, to have that breath means that you are moving and you're progressing. It's what propels us. And then finally, the fourth note there, God is still breathing. And that's a fact that really should excite us, that God is still breathing and 
And here's why. There was a guy named Job. You probably know about Job, even if you're not a student of Scripture. You've heard about Job. He had not a little problem. He had a big problem. And so he was trying to figure out why he had this huge problem, why his life was so horrible and so many bad things had happened. And so he did what a lot of us would do. He got together with his friends. There were four main guys that he got together with. And he gets together with his friends and none of his friends have any good advice. They all have advice, but none of it's good. You ever been there? You, you get your friends together. Can we solve this? And it's worse when you, when you finish the conversation than it was before. That's what friends are for. And so his friends are sitting around, and they're all coming up with all of these ideas and these possibilities. And there's a young guy that pops in to sit in on this meeting, and his name is Elihu. And Elihu comes along, and Elihu has a lot of good theology. But he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. You ever met somebody like that? I've been that person. A lot of good theology, not much experience. And you can say some really dumb things, but you can say some really profound things. And he says something quite profound. I want to read it for you. He, they're sitting around trying to figure out what's going on and, and how this is all working. And Elihu says, talking about God, he says, if it were his intention... And he withdrew his spirit and breath. All mankind would perish together and man would return to the dust. So here's what Elihu has to say. He says, God started this human experience like this. And if God ever decides to inhale, guess what happens? We're done. It's over. And it's a pretty good saying, right? Because when did God start breathing? You only get two verses in the scripture when you read that the spirit, the ruach of God was hovering over the water. You only get to the second chapter of Genesis when you find God scooping up dust and forming a man, but he's not alive yet. How does he come alive? You know, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam, man, became a living soul. So God started this human experiment, if you will, by breathing into us. And Elihu says, as long as he keeps breathing, we keep living. Man keeps going. But if he ever decides to, (gasps) we're done. So can you can you agree with me that it's a good thing that God's still breathing right now? Thank God that he's still breathing. And this breath, as we said, it indicates movement and progress. So let's think through how, this, how we see this happen in Scripture. It indicates movement and progress. God's breath propels, it pushes us forward into the future, into the life that he imagines mankind living. So how does this look? Well, the people of God are in slavery. His children are are bound in Egypt under a harsh slavery, and he needs to get them to a place of freedom. And so how is he going to move? How is he going to progress? How is he going to get them from where they are to where he wants them to be? How do you think he's going to do that? Look at your neighbor and go. Not if you've been sick. If you've been battling the, uh, the cough that I've been battling, then don't breathe on your neighbor. But how's God going to do it? 
I've got an idea. He's going to go. You say, wow, you're you're uh, you're just being a little uh, over excited about it. Well, no, not really. Listen. In Exodus chapter 14, it says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind. Guess what that word is? Ruach. So Moses stretches forth his hand and the sea parts. How does it part? God goes. He said, well, I'm not I'm not sure I buy it. Well, they sang a song when they got to the other side and and they had seen the Egyptians of that were were devastated as the waters came back. And they said this by the blast. Think of this. This is how they're singing in celebration about what God has done by the blast of your nostrils. The waters piled up and then they say, but you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. How does God get us from point A to point B? How does God move us to where he wants us to be? He breathes. He inspires us. Hit your neighbor. Say he's still breathing. He's still breathing. But, but, but. We're not always good recipients of his breath. Amen. We're not always real good students of the teacher. We don't always move when the spirit says move. And sometimes that causes some of the chaos in our lives. And for God's people, it gets them into a mess. It gets them back several hundred years later. It gets them back into bondage, into captivity. And God says, I'm going to have to show you again that I'm still breathing. Thank God he's still breathing. I'm going to have to show you again. I need somebody. He finds him a, a prophet. Thank God for the people that were always willing to stand up and say, you know what? If nobody else is saying it, I'll say it. So he finds him a man named Ezekiel and he brings him to the edge of a, of a mountain overlooking this valley. And he looks out and the valley is full of dry bones. Oh, one of the favorite stories in the Old Testament, isn't it? If you went to Sunday school when you were little, kids class, the valley of dry bones. And God sets Ezekiel up looking out over this valley of dry bones and he says, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel was better than some of the other prophets. He immediately knows that the right answer to that is, I don't know, you know. You tell me, can these bones live? And God says to Ezekiel, he says, you know what? I'm going to bring my spirit and I'm going to cause these bones to live. I, I just need you to speak. And this is what, this is one of those amazing times in scripture where God commands and he says to Ezekiel let me read this is from Ezekiel 37 prophesy to the breath ruach prophesy son of man and say to it this is what the sovereign lord says come from the four winds o breath and breathe into these slain that they may live or this is how it actually goes this is what the sovereign lord says come from the four ruachs o ruach and breathe into these slain that they may live. So, Ezekiel says, I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. How does God get going, the movement that he wants to get going, even when a man stands and looks out and says, all I see are dry bones, and I don't know if there's any hope for, for these, these dead Lives to be resurrected. God says you just speak to the breath. 
You just speak to the wind. You just speak to the spirit. And God gives the inspiration. Literally, he breathes into this army and the bones have come together and the flesh has come on. But how are they going to live? God says in verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you will come alive. Hit your neighbor, say he's still breathing. I'll fast forward 400 years, uh, 500 years or so. Fast forward through 33 years of Jesus's life and Jesus dies and is resurrected. How is he resurrected? By the Spirit of God. How is he resurrected? He's resurrected by the Spirit of God. That's why we're here on Sunday morning celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he, he is resurrected and he shows himself to his disciples. And now you wonder, okay, how is this going to work? How is this going to, to propel us forward because something else needs to happen? And so he's speaking to his disciples and he's in a room with them and he says, I leave my peace with you and as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Those are wonderful words, aren't they? When you hear Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, now that he's resurrected, he says, as I have been sent, so I am sending you. Wow, what incredible missional words. But there's, there's something else that has to take place. It's not enough for God to just speak those words. It's not enough for Jesus to just say those words. Then the scripture says that he looks at his disciples and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What, what's going on? What's happening? In the same way that God breathed life into Adam and he became a living soul. Now Jesus breathes on his disciples and they become new creations of the spirit. And this is important. Because if you take the spirit away, then we church folk can be some of the dumbest folk you ever met. Amen. You ever met somebody who had Bible knowledge but didn't have spirit? Paul met some people like that. He said, in fact, the letter can kill you. Spirit is what gives life. And there's some people that bang and bang and bang and bang on Scripture and have no spirit. And you can see the results of that all over, especially, especially, God help us, in the Bible Belt of the South. People who were banged on and banged on and banged on, but there was no spirit to give life. And they're walking around just angry and bitter and upset. Jesus says, it's not enough for me to send you. I'm going to breathe because you need the spirit. He says, go and 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 wait. He said, get everybody, you know, together and go and wait because because I'm going to show you how it's really done. And so they hang out for about eight or ten days in a place that we call the upper room. And then in Acts chapter two, we read this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, you, you got to hear this. I'm not making this up. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent, what is it? Wind. Where'd that come from? Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is the, 
This is the birth of the church. And in verse 4 it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Hit your neighbor, say he's still breathing. This is the birth of the church. And what do we find out about the birth, at the birth of the church? What do we find out? We find out that the church owes its entire existence. The church cannot function. The church has no purpose without the Spirit of God. The church, that's how we did it when I was young, to make a dramatic point. The church cannot function. The church has no purpose without the spirit of God. The inspiration of God moving and breathing into us. We've got to have God's spirit. If anything good is going to happen around life church, we've got to be full of God's spirit. It was, don't ever let anybody tell you that was something for them and not for us. His spirit is the only way we have purpose and meaning and life as a church. Worldwide or just in this community of believers right here we call Life Church. We need God's spirit. And it propels us forward. Remember, movement and progress, that's what breathing is all about. So in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking to the temple. It's the hour of prayer. But there's a man there who has a need. And Peter says, I don't have any money, but what I have, I've received the Spirit. And I give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And you've got a man who was lame that now is healed and made whole. How? By the Spirit of God. He's still breathing Persecution comes to the church. What's going to happen? Is it, is it going to collapse in on itself? No, people are pushed out. And Philip ends up in a place called Samaria, a place that most of the disciples at that point in time, most of the apostles didn't imagine that Samaritans were worthy to receive uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, weren't worthy to receive the news that they had been preaching around Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. But Philip, inspired, breathed into by God, Delivers the message to the Samaritans. uh, And we read that when Peter shows up, the spirit falls. They're inspired. And the spirit moves Philip down the road a little bit to an Egyptian and uh, to an Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian is baptized by Philip in the water because the movement, the progression of the spirit takes Philip where he wants him to be. Philip disappears. Where does he go? He's down the road, 16 more miles or so, preaching the news uh, again. The Spirit moves us. It inspires us. It's the only way this thing gets off the ground. You get a few more chapters into Acts. Acts is all about the Spirit's work, the Spirit moving, the Spirit doing His thing, if you will. You get a few more chapters down. In fact, the Spirit, the word Spirit shows up 70 times in the book of Acts. It's the apostles being open and available. In fact, that's what it is to be inspired by God is to be open and available at all times for his spirit to come and say, God, whatever you want to do. It's the same thing we sang today. I want to be aware of your presence. Holy Spirit, come and move. And I I didn't put it in there. They thought it was important in Acts chapter 15. They the guys have a disagreement. And I know it sounds weird that there would ever be a disagreement in the church, that there would ever be anything but complete unity about everything that's supposed to happen. I know that's strange. 
but it happened. And they, get, they, they decide, well, we can't have this division among us. And so they get together and they come together and they spend some time and they talk about, they, they talk through it, but then they pray. And when they emerge, they say, you know what, all the things that, there's a bunch of things that we thought were really important, but really we realize now that some of those things aren't really issues that, that should divide us. There's really only a few things. And so for all the new people that are coming, we, we, need, you to, we need you to abide by a few rules. But most of all, they said this, it seemed right to us and to the Holy Spirit. They said, we recognize that we can come together and we can have a lot of good thoughts. We can have a lot of good ideas. But if the Spirit's not a part of our process, if the Spirit's not at work among us, then we're still, uh, we're still missing the mark. And so it seemed right to us and to the Holy Spirit that this is the way we should emerge. This is the way that we should move forward. Thank God he's still breathing. And so... I, I wish you, you, you look and I, I know I is there a halo today. I, I know that sometimes I, I appear like I'm always sensitive to the spirit. But none of us are. And none of us really, if we're honest, none of us really know exactly what it looks like. It's always a process. It's always a, a work trying to figure this out. In fact, Jesus, you remember in John chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus came to talk to him. He comes by night and he has some questions for Jesus. And Jesus says in his conversation, he says, you shouldn't really marvel that I say you must be born again because this is just how the spirit works. He says the wind blows where it wants to blow and you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. You just hear the sound and you know it's blowing. And Jesus says this. It's the same way with those who are led by the Spirit. And you don't know what that looks like tomorrow. You don't know what that looks like the next day. But just to be open to that inspiration. God would, however you would want to speak. Would you just, however you want to inspire. God, I just want to be ready to receive that breath. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, let me... Let me share a quick story with you from my personal life. When I was a youth minister, we took the kids early on in mine and Crystal's marriage. We took six or seven kids on an overnight retreat. And we had a really good time. And we spent time on that Friday night where the kids were able to write down things that they wanted uh, forgiveness for, they wanted to repent of. And then we all threw our our uh, pieces of paper into a pot and set it all on fire and it burned up right in front of us. It was a great example and we had a great weekend. Fast forward a few months and we came to find out a couple months after that happened that one of the girls that was there with us on that night right about that time found out she was pregnant. 15 year old girl had a hard life. And so it's several months later, she's six or seven months pregnant, and we're having this series of revival meetings for young people. And, and I'm standing up around the altar, and people are praying. And, I, 
and I look back and I see Cassie sitting there on the right side in the church that we were in in Middle Tennessee at that time. And I see Cassie sitting there and there's tears rolling down her face. Something's not right. And it's one of those, like I said, I, I, I wish it happened all the time, but it doesn't. But it's one of those moments where it, it happened and I got it. I was available. He breathed and he spoke and I, I caught it. And God said, Chris, go tell Cassie she doesn't have to ask for forgiveness anymore. I already forgave her. And one of those weird moments where just in a split second, everything connected and I realized that the experience on that Friday night, she had, she had been so broken that night, more broken than I'd ever seen her since I had known her. And that night, she was afraid that what she had done was going to bring circumstances about in her life and, she, and ultimately it did. And it dawned on me right there at that moment And I went back to Cassie and I said, Cassie, God wanted me to tell you. You don't have to ask for forgiveness anymore. Because you already asked. He already gave it to you. And she just starts bawling. And I said, Cassie, I need you to look at me. I was there when you asked for forgiveness the first time. And you don't have to ask anymore because he forgave you the very first time. Let me tell you what can happen. If we're not open and available to the Spirit, here's what can happen. We can live our lives asking for what God has already given us. And it leaves us in a place where we're boxed into our own prayers. God help us. And to be open to the Spirit, to open ourselves to the inspiration of God is to bring ourselves into an awareness uh, that He's moving us forward. He's pushing us into the future that He has created for us. He's pushing Life Church right now into the future He has created for our community. And we have to be willing and available to Him to say, God, whatever you would have us do, God never... He never desires for His people to live under condemnation. You remember, the Scripture says He did not send His Son into the world to condemn us, but to save the world through Him. Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so the power of His Spirit pushes us into a future that's free from condemnation and it's free from the the load and the weight of sin because he forgives us and he breathes new life into us. And I wonder as we stand today if maybe somebody just needs to hear that message of forgiveness. He's still a forgiving God. And every sin, when you ask forgiveness, He still is able to wipe away because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He still does that because He's still breathing. And as long as He's breathing, He's pushing you into a future that maybe you haven't even imagined for yourself. But He says, I know. I know the things I've planned for you. And they are plans for good. They're plans to offer you a future and a hope. 
God, he's still breathing. And I wonder today, maybe if we could bow our heads. In a minute, they're going to sing this song again. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And I think this would be a great time. Maybe somebody, maybe you're here and you say, I, I need to repent. I, I know what you're talking about when, when you talk about a girl who, who asks forgiveness over and over and over and over again. I want to tell you that if you offer a prayer sincerely right now with us as we pray and ask God to forgive you for whatever it is, forgiveness is real and it's true and it's here right now. And as we pray, if you are one that wants to say, you know what, I want to be open to the Spirit of God and I don't even know for sure that I've ever really received Jesus Christ into my life to guide me, to breathe into me, for me to become a new creation, then this would be a wonderful time for you to say, God, I put my faith in Jesus Christ and I want the new life that he offers me by the Spirit. Would you pray right now with me? Father, we are so thankful that you're still breathing. And for those who need to repent right now and say, I'm I'm sorry. God, I pray that they would feel it, Lord. Something just moving inside of them, forgiving them and covering them. And Lord, for those maybe who would raise their hand and say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord today. I, I thank you, God, because they can receive your spirit and they can walk in a new life today as they go forward. And most of all, God, today we pray for every person here, every person who is at first service, uh, every person who's a part of life, uh, church. Uh, God, as we go into a new season starting next week, uh, God, would we be open and available to your spirit? Uh, Whatever you want to do, God, do your thing. Breathe on us. Inspire us with your spirit so that we can be the people of God around this area, this community that celebrate and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we need your inspiration. We need your spirit to come and, Lord, to animate us. And, Lord, would you live through us and in us. God, we give praise to you today. I thank you for every person that prayed a prayer of forgiveness. I thank you for every person that received you into their life today. God, let this be a changing moment where your spirit pushes us forward. In the name of Jesus Christ, let's sing together. Hallelujah.